0: The Mysteries of Udolpho by Anne Radcliffe, Volume 2, Chapter 5, Part B Do you know which is my room? said she to Annette as they crossed the hall. Yes, I believe I do, Mamiselle. But this is such a strange, rambling place. I have been lost in it already. They call it the Double Chamber, over the South Rampart. I went up this great staircase to it. My lady's room is at the other end of the castle. Emily ascended the marble staircase and came to the corridor as they passed through which Annette resumed her chat. What a wild, lonely place this is, ma'am. I shall be quite frightened to live in it. How often and often I have wished myself in France again. I little thought when I came with my lady to see the world, that I should ever be shut up in such a place as this, or I would never have left my own country. This way, Mademoiselle, down this turning. I can almost believe in giants again, and such like, for this is just like one of their castles. And, some night or other, I suppose I shall see fairies too, hopping about in that great old hall, that looks more like a church with its huge pillars than anything else. Yes, said Emily, smiling, and glad to escape from more spurious thought. If we come to the corridor about midnight and look down into the hall, we shall certainly see it illuminated with a thousand lamps and the fairies tripping in gay circles to the sound of delicious music. For it is in such places as this, you know, "'that they come to hold their revels. "'But I am afraid, Annette, "'that you will not be able to pay "'the necessary penance for such a sight. "'And if once they hear your voice, "'the whole scene will vanish in an instant. "'Oh, if you will bear me company, Mademoiselle, "'I will come to the corridor this very night, "'and I promise you I will hold my tongue. "'It shall not be my fault if the show vanishes. "'But do you think they will come?' I cannot promise that with certainty, but I will venture to say it will not be your fault if the enchantment should vanish. Well, Mademoiselle, that is saying more than I expected of you, but I am not so much afraid of fairies as of ghosts, and they say there are a plentiful many about the castle. Now I should be frightened to death if I should chance to see any of them, but hush, Mademoiselle, walk softly. I have thought several times something passed by me. Ridiculous, said Emily. You must not indulge such fancies. Oh, ma'am, they are not fancies, for aught I know. Bendetto says these dismal galleries and halls are fit for nothing but ghosts to live in, and I verily believe if I live long in them, I shall turn into one myself. I hope... Said Emily, You will not suffer Signor Montoni to hear of these weak fears, they would highly displease him. What, you know then, mademoiselle, all about it? rejoined Annette. No, no, I know better than to do so, though if the Signor can sleep sound, nobody else in the castle has any right to lie awake, I am sure. Emily did not appear to notice this remark. Down this passage, mademoiselle. This leads to a back staircase. Oh, if I see anything, I shall be frightened out of my wits. That will scarcely be possible, said Emily, smiling, as she followed the winding of the passage, which opened into another gallery. And then Annette, perceiving that she had missed her way while she had been so eloquently haranguing on ghosts and fairies, wandered about through other passages and galleries, till, at length, frightened by their intricacies and desolation, she called aloud for assistance. But they were beyond the hearing of the servants, who were on the other side of the castle, and Emily now opened the door of a chamber on the left. "'Oh, do not go in there, mademoiselle,' said Annette. "'You will only lose yourself further.' Bring the light forward, said Emily. We may possibly find our way through these rooms. Annette stood at the door in an attitude of hesitation, with the light held up to shew the chamber, but the feeble rays spread through not half of it. Why do you hesitate, said Emily. Let me see whither this room leads. Annette advanced reluctantly. It opened into a suite of spacious and ancient apartments, some of which were hung with tapestry, and others wainscoted with cedar and black larchwood. What furniture there was seemed to be almost as old as the rooms, and retained an appearance of grandeur, though covered with dust and dropping to pieces with the damps and with age. How cold these rooms are, mademoiselle, said Annette. Nobody has lived in them for many, many years, they say. Do let us go. They may open upon the great staircase, perhaps, said Emily, passing on till she came to a chamber hung with pictures, and took the light to examine that of a soldier on horseback in the field of battle. He was darting his spear upon a man, Who lay under the feet of the horse, and who held up one hand in a supplicating attitude. The soldier, whose beaver was up, regarded him with a look of vengeance, and the countenance, with that expression, struck Emily as resembling Montoni. She shuddered and turned from it. Passing the light hastily over several other pictures, she came to one concealed by a veil of black silk. The singularity of the circumstance struck her, and she stopped before it, wishing to remove the veil and examine what could thus carefully be concealed, but somewhat wanting courage. ''Holy Virgin, what can this mean?'' exclaimed Annette. ''This is surely the picture they told me of at Venice.'' ''What picture?'' said Emily. ''Why, a picture... A picture, replied Annette hesitatingly, but I never could make out exactly what it was about either. Remove the veil, Annette. What? I, Mademoiselle, I, not for the world. Emily turning round saw Annette's countenance grow pale. And pray, what have you heard of this picture to terrify you so, my good girl, said she. Nothing, mademoiselle. I've heard nothing. Only let us find our way out. Certainly. But I wish first to examine the picture. Take the light, Annette, while I lift the veil. Annette took the light and immediately walked away with it, disregarding Emily's call to stay, who, not choosing to be left alone in the dark chamber, at length followed her. "'What is the reason of this, Annette?' said Emily when she overtook her. "'What have you heard concerning that picture which makes you so unwilling to stay when I bid you?' "'I don't know what is the reason, Mademoiselle,' replied Annette. "'Nor anything about the picture. "'Only I have heard there is something very dreadful belonging to it, "'and that it has been covered up in black ever since, "'and that nobody has looked at it for a great many years.' "'and it somehow has to do with the owner of this castle "'before Signor Montigny came to the possession of it, and... "'Well, Annette,' said Emily, smiling, "'I perceive it is as you say, "'that you know nothing about the picture.' "'No, nothing, indeed, mademoiselle, "'for they made me promise never to tell, but... "'Well,' rejoined Emily, "'who observed that she was struggling "'between her inclination to reveal a secret... And her apprehension for the consequence i will inquire no further no pray ma'am do not lest you should tell all interrupted emily annette blushed and emily smiled and they passed on to the extremity of this suite of apartments and found themselves after some further perplexity once more at the top of the marble staircase where Annette left Emily while she went to call one of the servants of the castle to shew them to the chamber, for which they had been seeking. While she was absent, Emily's thoughts returned to the picture. An unwillingness to tamper with the integrity of a servant had checked her enquiries on this subject, as well as concerning some alarming hints which Annette had dropped respecting Montoni. Though her curiosity was entirely awakened, and she had perceived that her questions might easily be answered, she was now, however, inclined to go back to the apartment and examine the picture. But the loneliness of the hour and of the place, with the melancholy silence that reigned around her, conspired with a certain degree of awe, excited by the mystery attending this picture to prevent her. She determined, however, when the daylight should have reanimated her spirits, to go thither and remove the veil. As she leaned from the corridor over the staircase, and her eyes wandered round, she again observed, with wonder, the vast strength of the walls, now somewhat decayed, and the pillars of solid marble that rose from the hall and supported the roof. A servant now appeared with Annette, and conducted Emily to her chamber, which was in a remote part of the castle, and at the very end of the corridor from whence the suite of apartments opened through which they had been wandering. The lonely aspect of her room made Emily unwilling that Annette should leave her immediately, and the dampness of it chilled her with more than fear. She begged Caterina, the servant of the castle, Bring some wood and light a fire. Aye, lady. It's many a year since a fire was lighted here, said Katerina. You need not tell us that, good woman, said Annette. Every room in this castle feels like a well. I wonder how you contrive to live here. For my part, I wish myself at Venice again. Emily waved her hand for Katerina to fetch the wood. "'I wonder, ma'am, why they call this the double chamber,' said Annette, while Emily surveyed it in silence and saw that it was lofty and spacious, like the others she had seen, and, like many of them, too, its walls lined with dark larchwood. The bed and other furniture was very ancient.' and had an air of gloomy grandeur, like all she had seen in the castle. One of the high casements which she opened overlooked a rampart, but the view beyond was hid in darkness. In the presence of Annette, Emily tried to support her spirits, and to restrain the tears which, every now and then, came to her eyes. She wished much to inquire when Count Morano was expected at the castle, but an unwillingness to ask unnecessary questions and to mention family concerns to a servant withheld her. Meanwhile, Annette's thoughts were engaged upon another subject. She dearly loved the Marvelous, and had heard of a circumstance connected with the castle that highly gratified this taste. Having been enjoined not to mention it, her inclination to tell it was so strong that she was every instant on the point of speaking what she had heard. Such a strange circumstance, too, and to be obliged to conceal it was a severe punishment. But she knew that Montoni might impose one much severer, and she feared to incur it by offending him. now brought the wood and its bright blaze dispelled for a while the gloom of the chamber she told Annette that her lady had inquired for her and Emily was once again left to her own sad reflections her heart was not yet hardened against the stern manners of Montoni, and she was nearly as much shocked now as she had been when she first witnessed them The tenderness and affection to which she had been accustomed till she lost her parents had made her particularly sensible to any degree of unkindness, and such a reverse as this no apprehension had prepared her to support. To call off her attention from subjects that pressed heavily on her spirits, she rose and again examined her room and its furniture. As she walked round it, she passed a door that was not quite shut, and, perceiving that it was not the one through which she had entered, she brought the light forward to discover whither it led. She opened it, and, going forward, she had nearly fallen down a steep, narrow staircase that wound from it between two stone walls. She wished to know to what it led, and was the more anxious, since it communicated so immediately with her apartment, but in the present state of her spirits, she wanted courage to venture into the darkness alone. Closing the door, therefore, she endeavored to fasten it, but upon further examination perceived that it had no bolts on the chamber side, though it had two on the other. By placing a heavy chair against it, she in some measure remedied the defect. Yet she was still alarmed at the thought of sleeping in this remote room alone, with a door opening she knew not whither, and which could not be perfectly fastened on the inside. Sometimes she wished to entreat of Madame Montoni that Annette might have leave to remain with her all night, but was deterred by an apprehension of betraying what would be thought childish fears, and by an unwillingness to increase the apt terrors of Annette. Her gloomy reflections were, soon after, interrupted by a footstep in the corridor, and she was glad to see Annette enter with some supper sent by Madame Montoni, Having a table near the fire, She made the good girl sit down and sup with her. And when their little repast was over, Annette, encouraged by her kindness and stirring the wood into a blaze, drew her chair upon the hearth nearer to Emily and said, Did you ever hear, mademoiselle, of the strange incident that made Signor lord of this castle? What wonderful story have you now to tell, said Emily concealing the curiosity occasioned by the mysterious hint she had formerly heard on that subject. I have heard all about it, mademoiselle, said Annette, looking round the chamber and drawing closer to Emily. Bendetto told it me as we traveled together, says he. Annette, you don't know about this castle here that we are going to? No, says I, Mr. Bendetto. Pray, what do you know? But mademoiselle, you can keep a secret, or I would not tell it you for the world, for I promise never to tell, and they say that the Signor does not like to have it talked of. If you promise to keep this a secret, said Emily, you do right not to mention it. Annette paused a moment, and then said, Oh, but to you, mademoiselle, To you I may tell it safely, I know. Emily smiled. I certainly shall keep it as faithful as yourself, Annette. Annette replied very gravely, That would do, and proceeded. This castle, you must know, mademoiselle, is very old and very strong, and has stood out many sieges, as they say. Now it was not Signor Montanee's always, nor his father's, no, but by some law or other, it was to come to the Signor if the lady died unmarried. What lady? said Emily. I am not come to that yet, replied Annette. It is the lady I am going to tell you about, Mamiselle. But, as I was saying, this lady lived in the castle, and had everything very grand about her. "'as you may suppose, mademoiselle. "'The seigneur used often to come to see her "'and was in love with her and offered to marry her, "'for, though he was somehow related, that did not signify. "'But she was in love with somebody else "'and would not have him, "'which made him very angry, as they say. "'And you know, mademoiselle, "'what an ill-looking gentleman he is when he is angry.' Perhaps she saw him in a passion, and therefore would not have him. But, as I was saying, she was very melancholy and unhappy, and all that, for a long while. And, holy virgin, what noise is that? Did you not hear a sound, Mademoiselle? It was only the wind, said Emily, but do come to the end of your story. As I was saying, oh, where was I? As I was saying, she was very melancholy and unhappy a long while, and used to walk upon the terrace, there, under the windows, by herself, and cry so. It would have done your heart good to hear her. That is, I don't mean good, but it would have made you cry too, as they tell me. Well, but, Annette, do tell me the substance of your tale. All in good time, ma'am all this i heard before at venice but what is to come i never heard till today this happened a great many years ago when signor Montoni was quite a young man the lady they called her signora laurentini was very handsome but she used to be in great passions too sometimes as well as the signor finding he could not make her listen to him what does he do but leave the castle and never comes near it for a long time? But it was all one to her; she was just as unhappy whether he was here or not. Till one evening, Holy Saint Peter, Mademoiselle cried, "Annette, look at that lamp! See how blue it burns!" She looked fearfully round the chamber. "Ridiculous girl," said Emily. "Why will you indulge those fancies?" Pray let me hear the end of your story. I am weary. Annette still kept her eyes on the lamp and proceeded in a lower voice. It was one evening, they say, at the latter end of the year. It might have been about the middle of September, I suppose, or the beginning of October. Nay, for that matter, it might be November. For that, too, is the latter end of the year but I cannot say for certain, because they did not tell me for certain themselves. However, it was at the latter end of the year, this grand lady walked out of the castle into the woods below, as she had often done before, all alone, only her maid was with her. The wind blew cold, and strewed the leaves about, and whistled dismally among those great old chestnut trees, That we passed Mademoiselle, as we came to the castle for bendetto shewed me the trees as he was talking the wind blew cold and her woman would have persuaded her to return but all would not do for she was fond of walking in the woods at evening time and if the leaves were falling about her so much the better well they saw her go down among the woods But night came, and she did not return. Ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock came, and no lady. While the servants thought to be sure some accident had befallen her, and they went out to seek her. They searched all night long, but could not find her, or any trace of her, and from that day to this, madame, she has never been heard of. "'Is this true, Annette?' said Emily, in much surprise. "'True, ma'am,' said Annette, with a look of horror. "'Yes, it is true indeed, but they do say,' she added, lowering her voice, "'they do say that the Signora has been seen several times since, walking in the woods and about the castle in the night. "'Several of the old servants,' Who remained here some time after declared they saw her and since then she has been seen by some of the vassals who have happened to be in the castle at night carlo the old steward could tell of such things they say if he would how contradictory is this annette said emily you say that nothing has been since known of her and yet she has been seen "'But all this was told me for a great secret,' rejoined Annette, without noticing the remark. "'And I am sure, ma'am, you would not hurt either me or Benedetto so much as to go and tell it again.' "'Emily remained silent, and Annette repeated her last sentence. "'You have nothing to fear from my indiscretion,' replied Emily. "'And let me advise you, my good Annette, be discreet yourself.' and never mention what you have just told me to any other person. Signor Montoni, as you say, may be angry if he hears of it. But what inquiries were made concerning the lady? Oh, a great deal indeed, Mademoiselle, for the Signor laid claim to the castle directly, as being the next heir, and they said, that is, the judges or the senators or somebody of that sort said, he could not take possession of it, till so many years were gone by, and then, if, after all, the lady could not be found, why, she would be as good as dead, and the castle would be his own. And so it is his own. But the story went round, and many strange reports were spread, so very strange, mademoiselle, that I shall not tell them. That is stranger still, Annette, said Emily, smiling and rousing herself from her reverie. But when Signora Laurentini was afterwards seen in the castle, did nobody speak to her? Speak speak to her, cried Annette with a look of terror. No, to be sure. And why not? enjoyed Emily, willing to hear further. Holy Mother, speak to a spirit! But what reason had they to conclude it was a spirit, unless they had approached and spoken to it? Oh, Mamasel, I cannot tell. How can you ask such shocking questions? But nobody ever saw it come in or go out of the castle. And it was in one place now, and then the next minute in quite another part of the castle. And then it never spoke. And if it was alive, what should it do in the castle if it never spoke? Several parts of the castle have never been gone into since, they say, for that very reason. "'What, because it never spoke?' said Emily, trying to laugh away the fears that began to steal upon her. "'No, Mamasel, no,' replied Annette, rather angrily. "'But because something has been seen there. "'They say, too, there is an old chapel adjoining the west side of the castle, "'where, any time at midnight, you may hear such groans. "'It makes one shudder to think of them, and strange sights have been seen there.' Prithee, Annette, no more of these silly tales, said Emily. Silly tales, mademoiselle? Oh, but I will tell you one story about this, if you please, that Caterina told me. It was one cold winter's night that Caterina, she often came to the castle then, she says, to keep old Carlo and his wife company, and so he recommended her afterwards to the Signor, and she has lived here ever since. Caterina was sitting with them in the little hall, says Carlo. I wish we had some of those figs to roast that lie in the store closet, but it is a long way off, and I am loath to fetch them. Do, Caterina, says he, for you are young and nimble. Do bring us some. The fire is in nice trim for roasting them. They lie, says he, in such a corner of the storeroom at the end of the north gallery. Here, take the lamp, says he, and mind as you go up this great staircase that the wind through the roof does not blow it out. And so with that, Katerina took the lamp. Hush, mademoiselle," I surely heard a noise. Emily, who Annette had now infected with her own terrors, listened attentively, but everything was still. And Annette proceeded. Caterina went to the north gallery, that is, the wide gallery we passed, ma'am, before we came to the corridor here. As she went with the lamp in her hand, thinking of nothing at all, There, again! cried Annette suddenly. I heard it again. It was not fancy, ma'amselle. Hush! said Emily, trembling. They listened, and, Continuing to sit quite still, Emily heard a low knocking against the wall. It came repeatedly. Annette then screamed loudly and the chamber door slowly opened. It was Katerina come to tell Annette that her lady wanted her. Emily, though she now perceived who it was, could not immediately overcome her terror. While Annette, half laughing, half crying, scolded Katerina heartily for thus alarming them, and was also terrified, lest what she had told had been overheard. Emily, whose mind was deeply impressed by the chief circumstance of Annette's relation, was unwilling to be left alone in the present state of her spirits, but to avoid offending Madame Montoni and betraying her own weakness. She struggled to overcome the illusions of fear And dismissed Annette for the night. When she was alone, her thoughts recurred to the strange history of Signora Laurentini, and then to her own strange situation, in the wild and solitary mountains of a foreign country, in the castle and the power of a man to whom, only a few preceding months, she was an entire stranger who had already exercised and usurped authority over her and whose character she now regarded with a degree of terror apparently justified by the fears of others. She knew that he had apparently invention equal to the conception and talents to the execution of any project and she greatly feared he had a heart too void of feeling to oppose the perpetration of whatever his interests might suggest. She had long observed the unhappiness of Madame Montoni, and had often been witness to the stern and contemptuous behavior she received from her husband. To these circumstances, which conspired to give her just cause for alarm, were now added those thousand nameless terrors which exist only in active imaginations and which set reason and examination equally at defiance. Emily remembered all that Valancourt had told her on the eve of her departure from Languedoc, respecting Montigny and all he had said to dissuade her from venturing on the journey. His fears had often since appeared to her prophetic, now they seemed confirmed. Her heart, as it gave her back the image of Valancourt, mourned in vain regret, but reason soon came with a consolation which, though feeble at first, acquired vigor from reflection. She considered that, whatever might be her sufferings, she had withheld from involving him in misfortune, and that, whatever her future sorrows could be, She was, at least, free from self-reproach. Her melancholy was assisted by the hollow sighings of the wind along the corridor and round the castle. The cheerful blaze of the wood had long been extinguished, and she sat with her eyes fixed on the dying embers, till a loud gust that swept through the corridor and shook the doors and casements, alarmed her, for its violence had moved the chair she had placed as a fastening, and the door leading to the private staircase stood half open. Her curiosity and her fears were again awakened. She took the lamp to the top of the steps and stood hesitating whether to go down. But again the profound stillness and the gloom of the place awed her, and Determining to inquire further, when daylight might assist the search, she closed the door, and placed against it a stronger guard. She now retired to her bed, leaving the lamp burning on the table, but its gloomy light, instead of dispelling her fear, assisted it, for, by its uncertain rays, she almost fancied she saw shapes flit past her curtains and glide into the remote obscurity of her chamber. The castle clock struck one before she closed her eyes to sleep. End of Volume 2, Chapter 5, Part B